I can't believe it. Everyone made it to this week's gaming session. What's that? You decided to play a different character? Well, that's no problem. Just switch him out. Wait, what? You need to drive home to get that character's dice set? You live an hour away. So much for the full group. Hello and welcome to the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And you know, um, our DM, I think we know somebody uh, kind of like that. Greg, don't you have a set of dice for every set of character you have? Um, maybe. Nerd. And characters that I have yet to create. <laughs> I wonder if that was the player that the DM was talking about. Hmm. Yeah. I think I, I think I did run home, didn't I? I think one time when we were playing at your house, I did drive home to get my dice Possibly. because I didn't have my dice. I think I'm going to have to separate Greg and his daughter, though, because when they sit down at the table, they sit next to each other, and they both have all their dice lined up by dice size and shape, you know. And, and, and then you put the highest value on yeah, the Yeah, highest value up. It's well, You know what? That's a good segue because we're going to be talking about all the cool stuff about dice and gaming accessories in this edition of the Grognards. And I think uh, um, there's nobody better to lead this talk than our own Greg Ziegler. I do like my dice <laughs> yes, quite a bit. You do. You have probably more affinity for dice than anybody that I personally know of. Probably that you know. I personally think that I'm kind of a low-level dice lunatic because really? I, I see people online and I'm not so bad. But uh, And you're jealous of them, aren't you? Uh, somewhat, yes. Uh, but they can probably afford it. Um, <laughs> but before we uh, launch into the dice, should we uh, not talk about what we've been doing? Yeah, we do. We need to talk about the games we've been playing. So this is our segment, Games People Play. So what have you fine gentlemen been doing over the last couple of weeks? Well, um, it's been a pretty normal week for me. I did some adventures league. <laughs> Meaning you didn't travel four to six hours I somewhere. I did not, although they have another convention coming up, uh, PAX West, I think, out in Oregon or something. But I'm not going to do that. And then our local say, is the week after that. So. Yeah. So it's still adventure prep season. Hang on, real quick question. Would you travel to Oregon for a game convention? Sure. I mean, that's one of the advantages of traveling for game conventions is you get to go someplace new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I was just curious if you have a... A distance limit. I actually have a plan to go visit my sister out in Massachusetts in February, and there's a game convention I'm going to hit while I'm out there visiting her. Cool. I figured kill two birds with one stone. Planning your family trips around game conventions. <laughs> nice. Exactly. I mean, what, what better? That's the life, man. That's the life I dreamed of when I was 13. <laughs> if I have to go see my family, I might as well play some D&D. &D. Right, right. Um, so the other thing that's been weird lately, besides I've been prepping for conventions, playing some D&D. &D, weird? Yes. I started this Facebook page called Fifth Edition Characters, or I think, or Fifth Edition D&D Characters. I don't even remember. It was it a was while ago, wasn't it? Before, yeah. It was like when Fifth Edition first started, and it was before D&D Beyond when you couldn't share your characters. So my thought was, I want to put somewhere where I can access my characters if I'm at a convention and I don't have my character with me. So I'm just going to sort of post them on there. And then I did nothing with it for like two years. Well, then, then somebody express interest like hey what's this page for and i was like oh if you want to put your character up there put your character up there and i was like well i should probably put a couple of my characters up there so i just like take screenshots 
Okay, this page is taking off for no apparent reason. I barely have any content on Just it. Just re recently? Yeah, like huh. every day I get four or five new likes on this page, and there's very little on there, and I feel sort of guilty because I started this page. Yeah, you're the admin on a page with no upkeep that's suddenly yeah, become mean, popular. Well, Eric, that happens more often than you think. There's a lot of dead pages out there. Yeah, but it's just weird that all of a sudden it's taking off. I don't know if it's speaks to the popularity of 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons now that people are just searching for 5th edition characters and my page comes up but I'm feeling sort of guilty and I'm going to have to start putting characters on there so if you guys want to join and put some characters yeah, no, on I'm, there I'm on there Brinley's okay. uh, drawing is remember it's the, that's right. it's yeah, the that's page the, at the top the, uh, that's how the whole thing kind of started and yeah. I know I did notice that there had been a little bit of action on the page but I hadn't noticed it was so much yeah I get tons of alerts so I don't so know but maybe uh, it's a sign of the apocalypse or something I don't know I don't know that could be but it is rather strange yeah I um <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should put something on there, too. But, well, you do, please, because now could, I feel guilty. It could be the rampant popularity of our podcast, and then people, that could be it people the, coming the in from the back door through people, like, yes. your profile or yes. something. Mm. Now, I think not. No, I don't think that's the case now. <laughs> not at all. Um, I think not. Yeah, and I'm kind of in Eric's same boat. Things have been super normal the last couple of weeks. I mean, I— The calm before the storm. Yeah, I mean, I play—I I, only—I play in three games regularly, uh, you know, you're the monthly, the weekly, the biweekly, and my Star Wars game, and— uh, two of those have ran. I don't know when the monthly's going to run again. We're having trouble getting together. Yeah, but so we're nice. playing tonight. Don't forget, 7 o'clock. Yeah, no, I know, but no. that's not the monthly. No. Yeah. I'm going to get our butts kicked again tonight. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, everything's uh, going good. Well, How about you, Dean? I have been uh, kind of subnormal. I've not been playing as many games as I normally would. Uh, I think that's because so many of my friends in the gaming group have been traveling. And uh, so I've only really played a couple of games. Uh, we were at a party, and I brought out some games, basically uh, card games from uh, Mayfair and another one called Tetris Link, which is actually a four-player physical board game of the Tetris. It's not a board game. It's more of like a tabletop. Uh, kind of a puzzle game, maybe? Yeah, puzzle yeah. game. And it's a lot of fun. And it's far more difficult than you would expect just playing Tetris because um, you're playing against four people who are trying to block your ass from actually oh, getting okay. where you need to be. In What's order the name to of that game? Tetris Link. Okay, because there's another game named Blockus, and which it's is similar. Similar to that. Yeah, I have fact, that game. I brought Blockus to that. We just never got it to the table. Yeah. And it's essentially the same thing, but Tetris is, of course, up and down. But you, um, it's a lot easier to block people in this Tetris than it is in, uh, Blockus. in Blockus. Yeah, if we pull out a board game, Blockus is it about... A quarter of the time. Really? A fun game. Family game. It is a fun Family game. Family game. Yeah. It is a fun game. Uh, the other thing I've been doing is slowly, slowly getting through my new game that was on, uh, it was a Kickstarter two years ago, and it finally arrived in this big old honking box on my porch. Christmas. Yes, it was. It was Christmas <laughs> in June. It was Christmas in June. It's the uh, Time of Legends, Joan of Arc, and in the core game itself, it has 286 miniatures. <laughs> Uh, it is a <laughs> That's board. a lot of minis. It, it is a board game, and it's got a crap ton of scenarios, and then I've got a bunch of add-ons. Well, they weren't even add-ons. They were stretch goals. And I'll have to tell you, if you've got the game out there, you know what I'm talking about. When the, you open up the dragon box, and you pull out this dragon, and you put it all together, and the wingspan is 21 <laughs> inches Sweet. long, awesome. and it's highly detailed. It's beautiful. I am not in any way, shape, or form going to paint any of these except for the dragon. Yeah. And maybe the devil. The devil is a very cool sculpt. It's very, very, very cool. So and that's you're what I'm pretty I've been much doing. locked into a color scheme on that one too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's what I've been doing. I've basically been kind of like, you know, like, uh, uh, who's the uh, old cartoon character? McDuck, the rich Scrooge duck. Scrooge McDuck. McDuck. Scrooge McDuck, you know, sitting there in his pile of gold. Well, for You're me, that way with minis. Pile of minis. <laughs> I'm sort of the same. And I actually had a, I picked up some case, some backpack padded carrying case. Yeah, that was Origins nice. Uh-huh. For $20, which was oh, a deal. Nice. And it's made to carry board games for people who want to carry a bunch of board games. Quite a few. And it's sort of a, a public hazard if you're wearing it because it sticks that out one so far. Oh, is it really that yeah. one that sticks but out like here's, here's three feet thing. behind you? I thought about, I was like, <laughs> I have a problem carrying those large minis when I go to conventions, mm-hmm. right? If I want right. to carry, to carry a dragon, it doesn't fit easily. And if I stick it somewhere, it's going to break. So what I did was I bought that bag for $20. And then I went online and I ordered $100 worth of customizable foam. <laughs> <laughs> totally voiding your savings on the backpack. <laughs> no, but <laughs> now I can make trays the size I want them. So this thing's like 21 inches. It's 9 by 12, 21 inches tall. Wow. So I can make a really deep tray yeah. that I can put dragons in, which now I, I don't really have. For I have a big <laughs> an army whatever bag, but this one's even bigger. So hmm. I'm... That should be arriving uh, on the 5th, I believe, is what the, nice. the mail Yeah, I've said. seen those bags, and I think I saw them last year or a year before at Gen Con. I was like, whose bright idea was it to make a backpack that sticks a foot and a half out from the back it's of the... It's only a foot. It's <laughs> big shoulder blades. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still pretty huge. It is. And it has I a carry handle on it, too, so you could... you know, have, Doesn't it? I thought it did. Probably. I haven't looked at yeah. that. I don't anticipate I'm going to be like... Pretty know, soon he's just going to have the a... the Alps with a yeah. backpack. Backpack full of miniatures. He's going to have you know? a piece of luggage with wheels on it. And that's that, his. That is the yeah. next step. That's how yeah, it's going. That's the only that place is to the go. next step. And I was hey, looking for that. Greg, do you think that there's a point, and I'm sure it does happen, where Eric's like, hmm, miniatures or accessories or rent? And he goes for the mini and accessories. That could happen. <laughs> Okay, this has nothing to do with anything, but I had this idea yesterday while peeing, which is when all my best ideas come. Okay. Drink more water. So we have a problem with nuclear waste in this country, right? Yeah. Okay. And everybody likes to have a nice funeral, right? <laughs> okay. okay. And they don't want to be dug up after they're dead, right? I don't know, I don't know where this is going. Okay, so how about this? Okay, government, hang on, folks. Here we go. Government-sponsored funerals. After everything's all said and done, you just stick a couple nuclear rods in that casket. <laughs> right? And just, just bury them with them. So so we get rid of the nuclear waste. It saves money because no one's going to be digging that up. They're not going to dig you up. And it's sort of a disincentive to dig you up. And there's a lot of er- extra space in those coffins. I mean, we could put a lot of nu- <laughs> low-level nuclear waste in there. And it's all localized. It's in the cemetery. We just leave it there. You're right, Greg. Uh, uh, Eric, this has nothing to do with nothing. what you're talking about. <laughs> but it's sort of accessories. It's accessories for the funeral. Oh, okay. But anyway, I I have no words for this. Yes, this is a great idea. I I won't say it's a bad idea, but I won't say it's a great idea. Did did you just watch the Chernobyl thing on HBO or something? No, no, I I don't know how I thought of it. Strange things happen. You should read the book Radium Girls, and they took kind of a lot of radiation to the grave with them. Yeah, well. And they dug them up. Well, probably because they didn't like where they were buried. But here we can, like, centralize. I'm telling you, this is a great idea. Trust me. Okay. So, anyway. He needs to pee less. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think, uh, yeah, that's kind of what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks since uh, we all got together. So, that's our segment, Games People Play. Okay. Let's uh, 
Well, we're kind of on a roll. We're not really following any routine right now. Or well, I, I thought of it now because rolling. I'm thinking I have so many minis that are just going to have to bury them with me. That was how, you know, I, I you know, came up. Okay, before we get into this, maybe we should. No, we'll use that at the very end. Let's keep that question out there for the very end. Should you be What are we going to do? What are our children, our, <laughs> our, our progeny going to do with all the crap that we have gathered? Yeah. So we'll talk about oh, that, that at the very that's end. That's a whole ugly story. <laughs> Okay, so that'll be at the end. So anyway, uh, Greg, yeah, you um, have the dice, <laughs> so to speak, wow. and it's, it's hard, literally, it's, it's hard to ride out of that. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've of course been wanting to try to work a dice podcast in here somewhere, and we've filled that out into a, a gaming accessories podcast. We insisted because um, <laughs> we can't talk about dice for now. Greg can, but we can't. Yeah, that's that's the whole We're thing. We're along for the ride now. So uh, anyway, because yeah, we spend most of our time around here, you know, we discuss characters and character creation and classes and the actual mechanics of role playing. But uh, I think it's time that we need to uh, discuss our tools and accessories that we use to uh, enhance our experience and uh, make our gameplay run more smoothly, and and some of the stuff we just absolutely have to have. And that one thing that we absolutely have to have is dice. Unless you play amber diceless role playing, but that's wrong. We'll exclude that. Yeah. yeah. Or the, those, I know there's card games too where you do cards, yeah. but mm-hmm. I, I have I, I'm not a card person. Okay. Um, but uh, you got to have dice. Yeah. Yep, you got to have dice. Just throwing yeah. it out there. Um, As a commercial said, get together with some of your friends and roll some dice. Yeah. Um, dice. We want to, you know, we tend to do histories on things here. Dice literally is from before history. Mm-hmm. I think they have dug up dice made of every material on every continent uh, in the world. And uh, more than I, just six sided. Six sided is sort of the ubiquitous. It's, it's the classic because it's a cube. And, you know, yeah. other than the sphere, the cube is sort but of, you know, considered a perfect form. I have but, found other shapes. Yeah, I, I was surprised to find that uh, there was a D20. Uh, classic icosahedron um, it found in Ptolemaic Egypt. And it looks, it, it's perfect. It looks exactly like you would think the classic dice. Maybe the D&D D20. is a lot older than we think. But uh, I don't know. I didn't couldn't find anywhere <laughs> when I looked around of what the um, translation of the symbols were on the outside of it because, you know, my, my Ptolemaic Greek is a little rusty. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Ancient uh, Egypt. They're like, what armor are you wearing? And yeah. they're like, armor? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I did, I did see that it, it was considered it was probably not a gaming dice. And that just actually intrigued me even more. What were they using it for if they were it using for it for gaming? Religious uh, ceremonies I or don't something? know. And I, and I couldn't find a scale on it either. You know, I, is it is it, you know, standard yeah. size? But I don't know but anyway yeah dice been around forever and ever for the most part the d6 is the the classic die has been around has been the only one now in common use i know at one point when they started using the strange dice we'll call them for D, they found some there was somebody a manufacturer making them and then during one of the runs i believe it was an odd uh original D and in the, in the uh, brown box or whatever color it was they didn't have dice, so they actually put little chits, mm-hmm. numbered chits, really? in for people to use. Can really you imagine because... being the person who had to buy that game and get those? That would be... Oh, but nobody oh. knew the difference back I then. I know, but you would feel like, really? This is what they came up with? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's a plausible workaround. Yeah, if you just if you have to roll a d20, you get 20 chits, you throw it in, you randomly mm-hmm. pull one. It's A dice is a random number generator, yeah. and you have to have different denominations we'll call them of dice to generate different now the other thing that happened was you didn't realize that dice weren't impact resistant 
So all those early <laughs> oh, dice yeah. got beat to crap being rolled so much. And I have an example. We can put it on the page because well, I have my original uh, box set dice from the red box, I believe. Same here, but all you have to do is take a look at our logo on the SoundCloud page. And even on our Facebook oh, that's page, right. we have our dice. On and there. those are my original dice. And that D twenty is more round than it is have. Yeah, any we flats. need we need some good close ups of those. Yeah. Uh, I Eric's Eric's are really attractive in their homeliness <laughs> and their beat up in this. <laughs> yeah. um, the other thing that from early D anD D, and this is probably the last thing I'll say the entire podcast. <laughs> no, not really. But <laughs> well, I, I, again, I don't know. could we be so lucky? <laughs> that's twice because I like the history, the, the current stuff. <laughs> I, I don't. I haven't bought new. I mean, I buy the occasional new die, but not. Not, not as much as Greg, but yeah. the original D20s had one through ten twice. Yes. Right. So you had to, and people would often, new players go, well, how do you tell the difference? Well, you used to color in half the numbers. Yeah. With a crayon. So, with yeah. a crayon. The, so the, the colored classic numbers method. were... Two ones, two twos, two threes, and all that. Yeah, right. Yes, so it was but, one. It was one through zero twice on the D twenty, and then uh, when you when you bought a set, I never had a box D and D set, but with my with Star Frontiers, you gave they gave you the dice and they gave you a crayon, usually a white one. Mm-hmm. With a gray wrapper on it, because yeah, I still have mine. Okay. Wow. Okay. And then you color it and half it. I think they brought that back with the Gary Con dice for this year, did they not? Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. The the. Commander and then ones. the other problem you used to run into is sixes and nines, because they didn't always put the dots on the bottom. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. So then the you line had to figure out which dot. was uh, either a line or a dot. Some of them didn't have that. So that's early dice was yeah. sketchy. That's what a sharpie was for, unless your dice were black, and then you had a problem. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that uh, so let's just kind of we'll throw this out here a little bit here. So we just have to, Eric is not he doesn't have feelings towards his dice. I do um, really. Very that's much. not that's Eric not doesn't have feelings towards anything. <laughs> right. Eric a is a cold-hearted person yeah. only when he's a game master. I think he's cold-hearted <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Most of the time, I would say. Yeah. Um, the thing I did get into, I got into the see-through. Is it translucent dice? Yeah. Back in the day. So I had my yeah. original set. I played with those forever. And then I was like, oh, these crystal dice, they used to call them. Yeah. And, and some people still do. And I thought those were really cool. And I had like, a, you know, the, the red, the orange. And that was like cutting edge back mm-hmm. then. So I collected a bunch of those. And then I got those. And then I didn't buy dice for 30 years. Yeah. Now, I was I was very proud of you. Uh, Gary Khan last year, you bought a set of dice. Um did you and, buy the Gary Khan exclusive dice? Uh, I don't know. No, I Which remember. No, I remember you had gone out. Uh, I think you had gone up to. Um, oh gosh, who was it here? Um, Roll for Initiative. Okay. Which is a company I happen to like. Yeah. And uh, you had gone up and bought a set oh. of the clear ones with the. Um, they have kind of a swirly colors on the inside because I see the set every now and then pop up at the table. I might. Have, oh, I and you were and you were very proud of it at the time because you you set it down. And you go. These are the first dice I have bought in oh, thirty right. years, and. But I have noticed some more new ones have been popping up here and there on your table. Well, some unusual ones, maybe. Well, that's because I have a new character concept based on dice. So uh, Dean hasn't seen this yet. So I play a barbarian, and I play with our friend Dan, and it's Gar and Dar. Yep. And his, the thing I'm going to start doing with him is I'm going to start rolling d20s, and I'm going to start with my smallest d20, and if I miss, I'm going to increase the size of the d20. And I'm going to see how long it takes people to notice that I'm increasing the size. So my smallest is the one that I started with. Right? That's in really good condition compared to mine. Okay. This well. is your very... Yeah, this is in like far better condition than yeah, mine. Well, we'll post a picture of it. And then my next biggest is the uh, the metal one that I just got. Yeah. And then I have a, a see-through die that's, uh, you know, 
slightly larger. And then I, I got those those Chessex, the purple ones. That yeah. Was it Chessex? No, it was... Who makes those purple? Let's see. That's the purple set I got. It's the size for people who are starting I think to these have are issues with uh, Yeah, those with, are probably the role for initiative ones. And then I have a, a large metal die that I got. So it's so gradually increasing. So people might notice by them. But then the next die, they're probably going to notice. That's the die I've brought before. Which and, is uh, almost the size of a tennis ball. Yeah. Yes, it's, it is. It's pretty big. And then when I was at Origins, I found a new 20-sider. In case they miss that I'm getting larger with each time I miss, I pull out the new at die. At this moment, he's actually bringing out another bag. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I love this. All right. I need wow. one of those. This is a lot lighter than to, I thought it would be. We need to describe it, though. It's yeah. All right. It's an What's, actual die. I don't want foam dice or blow-up dice that aren't actually dice. I want it to be a die. Yeah, I've been, wanting, is, I've been wanting what I call a mega-scale dice, but all the good mega-scale dice have been plushies or inflatables or something that don't have good flats. It's about the size of a cantaloupe. Yeah. But, this yeah, is an actual you know, 20-sided dice. It's made out of rubber on the in the, the yeah, core of hollow. it. But then it's got... Kind of like uh, oh, hard, they're 3D printed. Yeah, hard plastic on the outside to give it a little bit of rigidity. So but we'll it's, it's a, a good. I'd say it's a good six inches or more in diameter, and it's. Uh, but it's, I think it would be impressive. fun by the time if I miss enough during an adventure in combat that eventually I'm rolling with that die, which is suitable for a barbarian. Yeah. Just now don't with, don't roll that out into into I'll just wipe uh, out where the every minis are on the yeah. table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, you are banned from the table. So there's, that's pretty know, impressive, but I, I'm I'm actually I'm, I'm also proud of Eric that he now he now has a, uh, a dice ritual. He yeah, has. but unfortunately now there's just one more thing I have to carry to conventions, which is going to kill me because I got too much <laughs> so, stuff. But uh, okay, well, how are you? Uh, what are your feelings on your dice, uh, Dean? Do you have? Uh, you know, I have many dice, not as many as you, but I've got a little treasure chest at home that has a, a variety of dice. They're all kind of mixed and matched. I do have some actual sets that I keep together. But I don't really have rituals with my dice, although um, I don't loan my dice out. I do not let other people use my dice. Um, and I think that I have... I guess it's called... They have a, a season of campaigning in mm -hmm. dice. After a while, I put that set of dice away and I get another a newer set out and then I use that in my games. And I don't go back to them. So I kind of, you know, have dice that I feel that I've either used up or I'm just tired of looking at. And then I, I get a new set. Would you say you could fill all of your dice into a single large bag? A single large bag? Yeah. What's a large bag? Mm -hmm. like um, a crown you know, Royal bag? The, let's use the classic standard here. The Crown Royal bag. Oh, I would need two Crown Royal bags. Okay. Yeah. I would need two Crown That's Royal bags. That's standard of unit for dice measurement. <laughs> that that actually is a... Crown Royal bag. Yeah. And, and, and a standard 750 milliliter bottle of Crown Royal. Yeah. Crown Royal And for bag. those people who didn't play yeah. back in the day, there was nothing to carry your dice in. So everybody's fathers apparently drank Crown Royal, <laughs> so you would have these cloth Crown Royal bags. And They're every purple and they have gold the world, stuff yeah. on them. Yeah. Every, and I actually have one. That's what I carry my dice in now, just for old times' sake. But every gamer in the world would carry their dice in a Crown Royal bag because yeah. in the late in 70s, 70s... And even into the early 80s, 80s that was your choice. Yeah, people mm -hmm. weren't making... You can go online. There was no online. But even otherwise, there weren't people making dice bags. Yeah, and now, now the, dice bags are everywhere. Yeah, it's a whole industry. There mm -hmm. are booths at Gen Con full of dice bags and all that. But So you would say you probably have a Crown Royal bag full of uh, dice, and that's about it. Not including that those two monstrosities? Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. that's probably that's a good cool. estimate. 
I did have, and I've lost it. I had a, uh, I think it was a 30-sided die somewhere. Oh, I got, I got three. We of have those. the 30 side. Yeah, yeah, we both have the same one. That was a Kickstarter, and that's where these, uh, that's where these beautiful uh, metal. It's the same one Eric's got. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I believe the Kickstarter was called uh, Ultra Heavy D30. Yeah, and uh, the D20 was. They uh, did have a uh, D20 made out of aluminum, like machine CNC, yeah. made, but they wanted five hundred dollars for it. It was massive. I was like, "Ooh, that would be perfect," but no, nah, couldn't do it. Okay, yeah. you've you've brought to uh, brought to mind two points, and I don't want to derail your uh, no, that's okay. outline here. But um, you're talking about all the different sizes of dice and such like that. But at GaryCon, I went and saw. Um, gosh, I can't think of his name. Lou. Uh, Lou. Lou. Mm. Oh God! And I had his name. He's from he's from Game Science. Yes, yeah. okay. and he's he been is, doing got, dice longer. He is than the Game Science guy. Else. Yeah, right. I talked to him a little, and at, he uh, brought out every size of die. I don't mean size in terms of of actual mass, but sides, different sides. He had you know the one hundred. He had. I think a there's 40, a one twenty. I think yeah. I've seen a one twenty. He brought out a forty six sided dice, you know, yeah. and a forty seven side, and these were all really crazy. And what he talked about and how in making them was very interesting. Um, but it was it was kind of cool. The other thing you talked about heavy dice and yes. cost. What was it? Five hundred bucks? Something, something like that. It was something crazy. Yeah, I signed up. I actually put a bid in on a set of dice that were made out of a nineteen forty four Panzer armor. Yeah, I, I use that story a lot. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't even close to what that amount was that needed to buy those yes. dice. See, my dream dice are the ones they auctioned off a couple years ago at Gen Con, which was made out of a meteorite. Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. making things out of meteorite has become a lot more popular. That would be And cool. other things lately, and yeah, the dice. That's something else, too. Yeah, uh, yeah meteorite dice, steel, metal, aluminum, uh, pr- semi-precious stones. Uh, Dan Webb has some dice made, uh, I think it's agate or something. Yeah, something that's a sparkly But he has stone. to actually carry them in a little pill container with each one in its own slot, because if they bang against each other, it'll chip. Yeah. That's too much work. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted a lapis dice. I would never use it because I would be terrified something right, might happen to it. Right. Well, I'm going to be a hypocrite here. I mean, I buy a lot of things that are probably useless for a lot of money, but I, I really have a hard time buying dice for more than twelve bucks. That's a good threshold because if you're buying a set, use a standard set is seven. You're paying about a dollar and a half. Yeah, you know, that's, that's where you're going to go. Carry around. some sets of cheap dice, like I. I think I got something on a Kickstarter, and I threw in a couple extras for five bucks each for a set. Yeah, and I keep them in my bag that I travel with. And if somebody needs dice, I just give them to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you can go on eBay and you can spend a dollar and get a set of seven. I mean, you're going to wait a month and a half for them to show up. But yeah, I had I have a little stash of cheap dice I got to loan out because uh, yeah, in the philosophy department in general, I do not like to loan out my dice. Of course, um, I have a specific set of dice for each character, and that is that character's dice. Um, okay, yeah. let's start a very touchy subject. Yeah. I know this is going to be a big deal for Greg. What number, when you put your die down just at, in a resting state, Yes. what number should be facing up? High number. Okay. I disagree. Could you, am I reasons. wasting a high number? Okay. I think it should be a low number for two reasons. <laughs> one, because if we anthropomorphize our dice. <laughs> Which we do. <laughs> that one is going to be sick of being on top all the time. It's going to be like, I don't want to be on top anymore. I want to be on the bottom. But maybe, maybe that one's like, oh, no. 
<laughs> yeah, but how long? It sits there for hours, right? Sometimes. It's going to eventually be like, True. I want to be somewhere different. So I'm going to be on the Nobody bottom. likes the number one. It wants to be on top. Okay. It wants to be seen. It wants that, to be... that poor D8 never gets touched. Second thing, gravity. Okay, let's assume that dice plastic flows at a very slow rate. <laughs> if I game for 40 years and that one is always facing up... I tell you what, they, the, the dude at Game Science has some science behind that. He will tell but you. But actually, that would argue that the one is then going to appear because of 20s now weighted low... So maybe we should have the twice. I don't know. It's right. that's true. Yeah, I uh, for me it's just sort of an OCD organizational thing. You know, I want the highest value pointed up because. Yeah. See, I'm more of a <laughs> natural type of guy, which is why I D and D in the buff. Um, but with no pants. <laughs> with no, yeah. I always GM better with no, no pants. I leave the dice. That's why you never come out from behind the game master that's screen, right. isn't it? Okay. I leave the dice where they lay. You know, really? it doesn't matter. I it it's just natural. It's the way they are and. Um, that was one of the things that Lou talked about is that most people, when they roll their dice, they don't roll their dice properly. They say these things like dice trays and such actually keep the randomness from dice rolling uh, from happening. Because they don't get to roll enough. Right. He says you need to allow that dice to roll for 18 to 12 inches. We had a convention game where the guy would shake it in his hand and then and he would flip his hand inches, over and like slam him on the table and then lift his hand up. No. Which is no. no. That, Almost, that's that's but not rolling. I watched him closely and he wasn't cheating. Yeah, he just I know, didn't like his dice to roll really far. Right. But you could cup them so you have a wall to roll against. I guess we need like a, a crap table where you can just like yeah. throw them down <laughs> and, and you know yeah a cr- what's that a croupier stick croupier yeah croupier yeah, croupier, yeah. yeah. like that so I have a question for you <laughs> yes what do you do to do you you're talking superstitions and habits and stuff like that what do you do to try to get that number that you need is there something you do and I'm gonna fill I'm, I'll chime okay. in when I've you're done. seen I've seen Greg roll whatever the answer is it doesn't work yeah yeah it's yeah that is the sad thing is I have a lot of uh, a lot of dice habits and historically speaking I bet if you kept track of the numbers I roll lower than most people at the I don't, table. I think the law of averages probably does affect you as well. It's just yeah. that you tend to mess up the critical rolls. But in all fairness, yeah, you roll. do some really harebrained shit during the game too. <laughs> That's true. So. <laughs> That's true. I'll, I'll squander. I'll squander rolling a twenty-four to uh, you know read some graffiti on the wall. But when I'm trying to dodge something that's going to kill me, I'll roll a three. Yeah. And that's pretty typical for me. Um, I do not like to roll my dice when they are cold. I keep them in my hand, especially my 20. Okay. Uh, I do not, in general, keep one in my hand. If you want to randomize things, I usually have a couple of dice for each character because you need advantage and disadvantage. I will keep a couple of them in my hand, but only drop the one. Which hmm. confuses me as a DM. Confuses I think the crap he's rolling out of him. with advantage when he's shaking his dice. Yeah, because I've always because when, when I'm when when you hear yeah when you hear me rolling, it's always dice running into each other, but then only one hits right. the mat. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah. So um, for me, I roll a lot of dice in a lot of the board games and such. Um, one of the things that uh, almost always when I'm within our game group, someone will call out. Roll a six, or roll a ten, or roll a twenty, or whatever. Almost like demanding the dice to do it. Not saying that there's any magic involved, <laughs> but I'll be a son of a gun if more often than not that number comes up. It always is fun when you call your roll. You Eric know, has the, that evil power. He the, cursed the me Hank the other Aaron, night. Or was, it, was that Hank Aaron who did the home mm-hmm. run thing? Who was that? Uh, oh, call yeah, the shots. He, yeah, I think it pointed yeah. to where. Thumbs yeah. Babe Ruth. Yeah, Babe, Babe Ruth. Ruth. That's yeah. who it was. Yeah, pointing yeah. out where you're. I'm very go. much into the ball sports. <laughs> I love the Ooh. sports. 
Mm. Yeah. Well, you guys <laughs> are <I> got, gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that totally happened the other uh, when we were playing last week. Um, I was trying to kill somebody, and them not making any noise was very important to the group not being found. And the chance of me not killing this person with a surprise attack was really tiny. Yeah, he needed to not roll a two ones. And and I, I didn't have enough I didn't have enough sixes out on the table, so I was going to re-roll a, I, I had to grab a couple other sixes and Eric goes, well as long as you don't roll two ones, you're fine. And boom. And I'll be goddamn, I rolled two ones. <laughs> and that was on him. Um, <laughs> Eric, back in our SCA days, yeah. do you recall a gentleman, he was a good friend of mine, he was one of my archers in St. Sebastian. His name was Arthur uh, I was slight, drunk a lot of the time. Yeah, too, slightly okay. heavyset guy, ball, uh, uh, blonde hair, really nice guy. Oh, I worked at uh, Barnes and Noble with Arthur. Yes, Arthur. Yeah. Arthur O'Dell. I love Arthur. Um, he had the worst luck with dice. And we <laughs> actually started calling, you know, hey, don't roll an Arthur. An Arthur was exactly the opposite of what you needed to succeed. Okay. And so we called it an Arthur. So, But I got a question for you. What happens when your dice are being bad? How do you fix that? How do you get them to start rolling those 20s About again? Three, I think it was three years ago, yep. I was at a convention, and it was close to Christmas or something. It was somewhere around there, yeah. And a woman had a little business. She had made dice prisons, and yeah. Greg has his. I picked one up for everybody in, in the group. <gasps> you got one. I got a little dice prison. Then they make larger ones now, too. Is this those- from Broken Token? Yes, that is Broken bottom. Token. Oh. They're, they're up uh, by Peoria, I think, aren't they? They're very nice, and they do good work. They're yeah, they super every nice. Year. There's two women who are always oh. manning the booth. They're super nice. Uh, they're Gary Con too. Yeah, I would this encourage anyone. And we'll we'll put a link to their site. They have an actual, like, a whole, like, diorama scenario, you know, basic layout of different dice towers and dice jails yeah. and things like that. And I like supporting people who are enthusiastic <laughs> about the hobby. Yeah, yeah, I do. Great. And and this and this monster here, it does fit in there and it has spent a lot of time in there because it does not roll well for me. <laughs> yeah. uh, have you ever heard of the decimation of dice? Uh, where people crush their dice? Yes. One that I had heard of was you put the offending dice in the freezer for an hour or so. Uh, make a little brittle. Yeah, and then you line the other dice that you have in the set up in a semicircle, and then the offending dice is set, you know, so they can all be seen, or so it can be seen by all. <laughs> and then you crush it with a hammer, and you teach them all a lesson. I don't know if I could do <laughs> that. Like dice shaming, yeah. I've been really mad at my dice before, but I know you can't do that. Yeah. I know at, uh, I believe, is it, uh, I know at Gary Khan, they have a dice blessing session. Oh, they do have somebody. Oh my it's God. either at Gary Khan or Gen Khan. <laughs> but we have, I believe, our sponsor... Has a solution for this problem. Yes, really? and leave it to Kanyuko yeah. to come up with a solution for crappy dice rolling. New from Kanyuko, the Critomatic Die Washer. Do you have that one friend who always insists on handling your dice, corrupting them with his tainted touch? Have you depleted the lucky rolls from your favorite die? Kanyuko has the solution. The Critomatic Die Washer will remove that stank, taint, corruption, and unlock from even the most defiled dice. Oh my god. I dropped my lucky 20 cider at the game store last week, and like, that guy who always rolls ones picked it up. Barf me out. Now I can't even hit a kobold. I'm level 20. I should just throw it out. Not so fast, Brittany. There's no reason to throw out that lucky die. It can be cleaned and redeemed in the Critomatic Die Washer. Using that patented cleaning solution, your lucky die will be returned to pristine condition. All of my dice suck. None of them are all good. 
I'm cursed. No worries, friend. For an additional fee, you can include our karmic additive in your Critomatic order. Kanyuko has consulted with the world's top swamis and developed a karma concentrate. Simply add the karmic additive to the cleaning solution and your dice will be loaded with 20s and ready to roll. How do I get a Critomatic die cleaner? Simply send a check or money order for $49.99 to Grognard Convention Fund and you too can receive the empty promise of a prompt delivery of the Critomatic die washer. Enclose an extra $19.99 and also get a full gallon of Karmic Concentrate. Act now while supplies last. Some users exposed to the Scrubomatic cleaning solution may exhibit weight gain, random hair growth, and body odor. Kanyuko Karmic Concentrate is 100% artificial karma and contains no actual karma. If ingested, immediately contact poison control and an exorcist. Kanyuko is not liable for hard feelings or injuries resulting from lower than average die rolls. Oh, man. There you go. Uh, I want some of that. No. They I, I've needed that for 30, 40 years. Yeah. Hey, and how is that uh, Grognard convention fund going i don't we'll have to check the balance but yeah. I, I have a feeling it might I, not be I too think good eric's just going to use it all and go he's going to embezzle the hey <laughs> by, by many if i have an active convention lifestyle <laughs> he really does ever since kids have left the house yeah um now i know one thing uh love dice got to have accessories for your dice because you have to have accessories for your accessories um <laughs> Uh, one that I, uh, one we brought up here a little bit is a dice tray. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, do either of you? I do. I do. I have a dice tray that is a matched set to my uh, dice tower from Elderwood Academy, and it's a nice leather one with uh, magnetic connectors on each side. I've seen and, those. They are uh, beautiful. Uh, basically, uh, laser cut wood and nicely stained and nice foil image on the on the bottom. It's pretty cool. I have free range dice. I, I don't believe in in you know farmed dice limiting <laughs> their movement. I, I like no farm to roll raised. on the table. Yeah. I, even my dice tower, which we've talked about before, I don't yeah. use it. I, I have it. I know, but it's, so it's I don't kind of like a dice tray is right. Out, although I do have a pattern for a worked leather dice tray, dice tower, and dice carrier that compacts, mm-hmm. yeah, that I'm probably going to offer at Gen Con if I can find the time to... You need to fine-tune it a little bit. A I little remember bit. you showed it to my wife, and she was able to, like... She well, was like, it's in pieces eh, still. Yeah, didn't it's, quite work right. Yeah, yeah, I had light leather, too. I need to get heavier leather. I'm still mm, nice. prototyping it, but I might end up using that just because it fulfills all three functions. Yeah, I do like, and this is because I'm a board gamer, I do like all of my uh, uh, friends who have dice to roll in a dedicated dice rolling area because i cannot stand it when dice go across the board and knock some stuff around i played with a guy at college who would sit on the couch and he had the smallest dice known to mankind and he would roll next to his leg and then declare the result Uh, right that's super sketchy (laughs) it was yeah well while i do like the idea of the free range dice especially in a convention setting you you got to keep your shit yes, together exactly. you got to keep all of your dice mm-hmm. in a spot and that's kind of why i started using trays right um uh, I, I do have a small dice tower uh it's but not good old lou would, but, would poo-poo uh, your tray lou would poo-poo my tray however the, the one nice thing about a dice tower is this you love that sound. it's that satisfying noise yes yeah. when it when it hits yeah. the bottom there now i have the uh the codex dice tower and we're going to provide pictures and everything like this from elderwood academy and it's got this nice little baffle system that literally takes up that eight to twelve inches of 
randomizing yeah. as it goes down the tube. So now, I have another plan for a dice tower that I want to make for my game table, which is an ISRON dice tower because they have <laughs> clear thermal plastic. So I could actually, yeah. and, you, and it's dyeable with mm-hmm. polyester dye. I could make the actual eyeball, leave it open at the top, and just drop the dice in and have them spill out on the <laughs> that table. That would be super. So. I saw a hand of Vecna dice tray here mm-hmm. uh, recently. Yeah, so I have, I do have an idea for it, but that's going to be like two feet tall. I want a massive that, dice. That's tower. an at-home dice tower. Yes, that's an at. Oh, you missed I one. Like that. Yeah, it stuck to my yeah. hand. But it, it so. is a very <laughs> satisfying sound. Um, yeah, Eric's the, is from My Own Monkey. Uh, it was a Kickstarter, I believe. Yeah, and many years ago. It took him a long time to yeah, fulfill it. It was a bigger project than he anticipated. I think this was the first Kickstarter I saw somebody have in their hand Yeah, uh, was, was when you when you uh, brought this out. And this is gorgeous. I love this tower. I have a dice tower that is actually an accessory to an accessory. Really? Yes. It is a dice tower that is an accessory to my Game Toppers LLC tabletop, or my my game topper it basically it's my game table and it attaches to the game table okay i just had a, another great idea and i'm not even <laughs> he's peeing. not even being i might be i'm I glad know. for that I'm last getting part. older <laughs> okay what was that game that had like the bubble and it would pop sorry and, uh, trouble Star- Trouble, Trou- trouble, trouble. and that's, that's called a popomatic, and it's trouble. Okay, oh, okay I am going to get one of those for my barbarian, and I'm going to use a great sword so that when I do great sword <laughs> yeah. tip, oh. I can just hit the trouble popper. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. La- uh, last year, McDonald's in their it Happy Meals. It only has meals. a D6 in it, though. I thought it had two D6. Is it just one? No, it's Maybe. just one D6. Oh, then I'll use a one D6. Um, <laughs> but I'm not picky. Uh, last year, McDonald's uh, mm-hmm. did a promotion with classic board games. And they had yeah. little mini Happy Meal versions of them, and yes. one of them was Trouble, and it came with a little tiny Popomatic, really? oh, and I it have does to look on eBay, and it does have screws on the bottom of it, so you can open it up and replace the dice. And I've gotten my hands on one. I just need a smaller scale D20, and I want to put a D20 in it, so I have a Popomatic. D20. I'm going on eBay, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we better go quick before this podcast hits well, because tens of thousands uh, of yeah. listeners yeah, are yeah, going to hop on eBay, boom, disappear. Yeah. yeah, tens of yeah. thousands, it's, more like tens of tens. Ten, I can't believe you guys think that's a better idea than my radio. Active burials. <laughs> Radiation scares me. You're yeah. dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so um yeah so uh, there's a lot dice of dice towers, towers cool. used. Yeah. Uh, kind of rough sometimes on the metal dice. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, another thing with the metal dice. You were when you were rolling Eric's metal dice earlier. This is a problem that you get with them. A lot of tables. Is that sound? I know uh, the top of uh, Eric's game table. I put some dents in it before yeah. I. Uh, started using a tray or uh, some people use dice mats i know henry in our game he uses a dice i think he has a mat and a tower but he's also rolling some really nice sets of metal dice we'll talk about for uh, when you draw terrain like i use a chess x mat but they have the dry erase boards that some people use, especially the ones that interconnect, those yeah. metal dice wreak havoc on those dry erase really? boards because if, they take dents. My chess X mat yeah. won't really take a dent, no. but those dry erase boards will take a dent. And you drop a metal die on there, bad news. Yeah, I If actually, you have a very nice dining room table, you better not be no. rolling one of them metal dice on my table. Absolutely not. No. Ac- um, Wait, I if even, you have a I dining have... room, why isn't it a game room? I have a game room and a dining room. Oh, well. Foofy, uh, foofy. Yeah, he's probably got a library, too. <laughs> I do. <laughs> there you go. Old house, not so old. Yeah, it's, there's it's your in difference. the bathroom, though. Yeah. So. No, it's more yeah. than the uh, farmer's almanac. Yeah, I, I even have a, I have a vinyl dice tray 
mm-hmm. that I have dented the inside of with, with the metal the dice. Yeah. And because it doesn't have the felt liner in it, it's just the bare yeah. uh, vinyl and it's gone and dented the cardboard on the inside. Right. But uh, yeah, you got towers and trays and mats. Those are your, your primary things to rain your dice in. Uh, dice cups. Some people use. Uh, I've, have you ever seen? Has anybody ever used a dice cup? I actually at your did table? see a couple people at conventions. Yeah. They carry their dice in a dice cup, and then they use a cup to roll. And that is the nice thing about the dice cup. You get, you get it with a lid. You've got a container, right. a carrying thing, and but that's if you're only carrying enough dice to just yeah, fit in the cup. Yeah, that would for you. You would yeah. need like a big gulp di- dice cup. Great. Yeah, that is true. Now, uh, something I was involved in a little bit, uh, and, and I, I kind of, I, I dropped the ball in a little bit, but I was uh, in a Q Workshop demo group mm-hmm. for their new dice cup. Um, well, it didn't work out as great for me because the things showed up while I was on vacation. You should probably explain. So it's a dice cup that's illuminated. Yes, it is. It was was for a Kickstarter. And it was, yeah, and it's, it, is for it's a dice charger they call it and the inside of the cup is painted a reflective white and there are leds set in the lid and as you shake it the motion sets off the lights and you put your glow-in-the-dark dice in it and some high intensity leds charge those glow-in-the-dark dice and uh, it's actually pretty effective the one i got the leds weren't terribly bright probably because they were going off because where is q workshop China? Poland. Poland. Poland? I don't know. And so it took uh, over a week of airmail for me to get that uh, mm. charger here, and it was probably on the whole time. And um, But that but was just even, a prototype. The but actual it, but, ones. Yeah, and I got an all, a, yeah. an all I had was a prototype, and the LEDs were really weak in it when I did it, which wouldn't be in the production version. It still worked really well. Um, the downside of it, who actually plays, plays in, in the, the dark? dark. Right. <laughs> That's a novelty that is of no use to anybody. It, you know, Call of Cthulhu. Cool. Call of Cthulhu is a great game yes. to dim the lights. Yeah, and it would be good for that. And uh, I think a lot of the demo dice for that were Cthulhu or uh, horror. Now, theme. True Dungeon is pretty dark, so I could see like maybe they could yeah. market to True Dungeon because they, those GMs use that stuff. But uh, anyway. Um, and we've already discussed the uh, way to carry your dice around. I know people that use a lot of weird methods, but bags, Crown Royal bags, I that's have the way a, to go. Again, I'm a big fan of the Elderwood Academy guys. They make some great stuff. I've got this beautiful dice box and a yeah, mini dice know. hex. Ooh, and Greg has this <laughs> beautiful, leather. beautiful leather bag that has one, two, three, four. No, don't count. No, no that's five, six, seven, eight, eight to ten other separate bags. individual bags. Yeah. I, pulled, other I pulled stuff out of it to bring it here. I mean, this yeah. is... Uh, now, you know, I did use... fair D20s. <laughs> I did use a dice bag or a dice box, but it annoyed me when it would be in my satchel or my backpack. Yeah. And I would walk and I would hear the, the dice... With each step. Yeah. So that's when I converted back to the Crown Royal bag. You don't get that... that clicky sound when you're walking yeah as much Plus as you i might li- be wasting good rolls you don't even know that's true yeah as much as i like the idea of of a box with dice the bag is the way to go it's more uh good with the form holds the bags well um another uh, let's move on here though too uh we've this has come up a little bit so we don't need to talk about it a whole lot but popular dice accessory game master screen yeah, there's some nice ones out there. There's people who do carved wood game yes. master screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, with some, a lot of them have built-in dice towers. The cool ones are the ones where you have a dice, you have two dice towers, one that goes in and one that goes out. Yeah. So if you're wanting to make a roll just for yourself, you drop it and it comes in. Yeah. Uh, but then if you... I don't think that's necessary yeah. because I, as a GM, sometimes you don't want the players to know 
knowing you're making a roll. And there's no way to hide it if you're using the dice tower. Yeah. So, yeah. and I roll, I'm a fan of rolling in the open all all the time, almost except when I can't. So if I'm doing a perception check for a player stealth check, I won't roll in the open because the player doesn't know whether they're detected or not. Things like that, or a, a roll player doesn't know is, is occurring. But otherwise, I like to roll in the open. And it actually annoys me now when I play in GMs, don't roll in the open. Yeah, you always kind of wonder a little bit whether, you know, what they're up to back there. Uh, do you screen Trixie. when you uh, game Master Dean? I do. And I have the basic D&D uh, Dungeon Master screen. I've got the one from 1st edition and the one from 5th, 3rd uh, edition and the one from 5th edition. And that's really all I use. Although, to be honest, the the rolling behind the screen is one thing I think DMs should have a screen because you're keeping your paperwork back there. You're keeping the, you know, the thing you with know, the, picture, the picture of the monster they're about to run into. Yeah. You don't want that laying out on the table right or in front of everybody. Or if you've got minis, like you got minis and you don't want and to see what that, it is. I've, Manticore out. I probably run more often with a screen, but I have you also do. run without a screen, like at conventions. I'll forget it, or I'll, right. I'll be running and I wasn't expecting to run. They'll need someone to fill in, and I won't have my screen with me. It's not necessarily bad. You know, sometimes you'll get that player sit right next to you that'll sort of be stealing a, a peek. But if yeah, you're cheating the D&D... You're D and D wrong. Hmm. I mean, totally. That's that's on yeah. you. I don't necessarily feel that bad. So um, uh, the only, another common accessory is uh, game tokens. I know they've been getting more and more popular mm -hmm. over the years. Uh, Gen Con last year, when I gamed with uh, Janelle, she had uh, custom personal tokens. Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of those. Out. Like for Adventures League, I have a game hole con inspiration token. It's yep. a poker chip, and it says inspiration. And I never wanted to use it because I wanted to keep <laughs> it because it's sort of a cool memento. Yeah. Um, my I character's guess. dead, but I have the inspiration token. Yeah. yeah, I use tokens for inspiration for my characters. They have it, and they like literally give me the token. Yep, and, and Eric does the same thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I play modified inspiration, so I have a lot of different colored tokens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And everybody starts with sort of a copper color mm. token. Everybody gets one at the game start, and they can give that to another player for an actual inspiration token once per game. Because I suck at giving out inspiration. I think it's one of the downfalls of fifth 5e is how inspiration is awarded. So I just let players give it to each other, but they can only give one per. I still have the right to give inspiration when I think something is cool. I use coins when rewarding treasure. I actually have a physical set of coins oh, that nice. are fantasy style coins, and I think I have something like a thousand <laughs> gold pieces worth of coins. Uh, some are in uh, like you know denominations of fifty, five, tens, and ones, and then I'll count that out in a head, and, uh, and then basically hand it out to the players. Say, here, this is how many you have. This is what you okay. got, and then they have to count it out. <laughs> now, now are they using that? To purchase things, yes, in they game. can. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So right, it's cool. it's a tactile type of thing for them, um, but it doesn't. I mean, I don't go overboard with it too much. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's one of those things that just kind of enhances the overall experience. Yes, but mm -hmm. is not necessary to right. play. But uh, a buddy of mine actually makes much like you had done. I think uh, um, with like your potions, didn't you make? Yeah, some the potion? potion bottles. Yeah, he did something very similar to that, but. Uh, he does it for everything. Scrolls, potions, all, everything is in miniature. Yeah. And he does it also with little Lego pieces, too. And he makes them up, and those, <laughs> are, cool. the, those cool. are the pieces that you get. Yeah, so, you can go crazy on that mm -hmm. stuff if you really want to. Yeah, there's a lot to. of things you can do. Um, I've, I've seen people who uh, play D&D, &D and instead of using, they use the minifigures. 
as miniatures. Which which minifigures? Because the Lego minifigures. Oh, the minifigures. Le- okay. Yeah, that's a, that's oh, a, that's a standard term. Yes. The, the Lego uh, people if, are called minifigs. Okay. Uh, so another uh, area of geekery that I am into. <laughs> Clearly. Um, and that runs us into the other classic standard Dungeons and Dragons the real accessory, accessory. The real accessory. Miniatures, yes. or uh, everybody calls them minis. Uh, yeah. It's it's fair to say that I don't know which which is the oldest game D and D accessory, miniatures or dice. I think they walked in holding hands together because D and D evolved out of miniature gaming, and they used um, dice in there, and they've been linked. Although miniatures predate polyhedral dice, except for the six siders. Right. Most yeah. games use six. That is true. Um, I. I did not play with minis the first year or two of D&D when I first started as a kid. Now, really, we started when I when I see now I started D&D a little later or started, you know, RPGing a little later than you guys. I was you know right out of high school. But we started with miniatures day one. See, we were theater of the mind for a few years. Yeah, I did. I was a very uh, avid collector of army men. So army men became mm-hmm. our miniatures more like placeholders than anything, but, you know, we well, did have them. People still they put dice on the table to mm-hmm. represent. I mean, you yeah. just need something to represent. Yep. Sometimes, though, and I, I, I won't say sometimes, I would say the majority of the time in a combat situation, you have to have a visual representation of what's going on if you've got more than two people involved yeah, in the game. It depends. It yeah. Depends. I, I see this question a lot online. People ask about theater of the mind, and and if you've started playing theater of the mind, it... it it's more imaginative and it more just you have to go with the flow. You know, your version of what you think it looks like might not match the DM's version. And when the DM says, no, you're 30 feet away, not 20 feet away, you just have to go, okay, well, then I'm going to do this. Like, as opposed to arguing about it where, you know. Which is going to almost inevitably happen. It depends. It depends on the players. Like, back in the day, you just were like, the DM's the final ruler. Mm -hmm. Like, if he says you're 30 feet away, you're 30 feet away, regardless of what I thought was the case. Like, that's the way it works. We've gotten away from that. Now people like to have the hard and fast rules. Yes. And I think that's probably another drawback to 5th edition, that we're not giving enough leeway anymore for but for DMs to do things like that. But I have seen a rise recently online of people coming up with their own sort of mini systems, which is very common. Just the other day I saw somebody asking about grappling between boats in Sinister Secret Assault March. Oh, yeah. And there's no system for that. He's like, this is what I worked up. And it was like a five-step system with the number of people throwing grappling hooks and the numbers they rolled and their combined strength. That was very common back mm-hmm. originally. DMs would do that all the time. Oh, let me let me work this up. Uh, we're seeing more of that now because I think that's a that's a downfall of 5th edition that Every, everybody wants everything to be canonized, but you can't canonize everything. No, yeah, that's that's one thing, especially because you've got so many new people coming in and they want things explained to them. They need It needs to be written And I think it actually adds to the game when there's a little bit of I uncertainty. Would I would agree. As yeah. a player, I, like, I've How started, am I going to solve this? Well, it's not in the book. I'm going to have to come I've up started to reskin monsters, especially at, like, conventions. So you're going to walk into a room and there's going to be three trolls. Right. So instead of me saying you walk into a role and room and there's three trolls, I say you walk into a room and you see three crab like creatures on their hind legs and they have proboscises that are 
snapping on their heads and they're a mottled red color. And everyone goes, what the hell is that? Well, it's a troll, but I'm not going to tell you that because you know what a troll is. Well, and I just use all the same stats for a troll. Oh, and halfway through the fight, they go, oh, crap, we need to use fire on these things or they're going to grow back. And to me, that makes the game fun again. Because well, yeah, your characters it's... never run into a troll. You have player knowledge, but yes. you shouldn't have character knowledge, and people can't Ig- differentiate between exactly. That's hard for people to do. Exactly. So. And if you've played long enough, you know all the stats for all the monsters, and it's not and, a surprise. And by the time you figure out, oh, that's just a troll that he described as some totally different monster, it's too late. The battle's almost over. You've already mm. figured it out. But it was fun. Yeah. True. Um, I know Eric sent me a really good thing um, about... Uh, to look into on the history miniatures, uh, Elastalin. Yeah, so which that was not something I was aware of. Okay, before so this. originally, yeah. what sort of drove the development of Dungeons and Dragons is uh, Gary Gygax and, and war gamers back in the day would do miniature war gaming. Well, a lot of them were history geeks, which a lot of D and D players still are. Yeah, I know a lot of people. I don't know almost as many people that do historical miniatures as they do. Uh, and generally, when you did miniatures, you had you had stands of miniatures. So one stand might represent a platoon of infantry. Yeah. Elastalin, I don't even know. They might have been out of France. I forget where. No, they, it's a, it's a German company, German company. Uh, okay. from right after the turn of the century. Yeah, they started making individual figures, and these were big figures. They weren't like our twenty five millimeter. They kind were of your larger. classic army man size, yeah, or maybe even a, little, a little bigger than that. Yeah. And elastolin's a form of, of rubberized, plasticky sort of stuff. Yeah. And they were pre, they were painted, and they had these medieval figures. They had a knight on a war horse, and they had an archer. And, and, of course, all these miniature gamers got really into this. But the problem was they weren't usable as a stand of miniatures. It was One miniature was an individual character. Yeah. So you're, it was big enough that your archer was an archer. And that accounted for part of the development of Dungeons and Dragons because they wanted to use these miniatures, but then they didn't have a game system that let you play an archer. The game system let you play the you know the Battle of Azure. A unit, yeah. And you had a unit of archers. So part of what they did with these elastolins was let's come up with rules for this. Well, those rules eventually morphed into I'm gonna play one character during the game, which is really the groundbreaking development that that led to Dungeons and Dragons. And Dean has some Elastalin miniatures, so he will post pictures of those. Do these qualify as that? Um, I think that is exactly what, because these are German-made... I yeah, those these. are more modern. Yeah, the original well, these are the, ones. These I believe are the, had Schle- the, the Schleich. Yes, but um, they're very similar, and we'll t- put pictures. They're very highly detailed. They're about what uh, three inches tall. Yeah, three, maybe four. Uh, not three. Yeah, they're three. So, but uh, yeah, they're exactly, I think, very similar to what they were using back then. Yeah. So that sort of, Elastalin was, you know, groundbreaking in terms of the development of Dungeons and Dragons. That's sort yeah. of what started the ball rolling. Yeah. They, they had all kinds of, um, you know, different genres of characters up through the war. Big surprise, World War II put a crimp in their uh, production because, yeah. you know, Germany probably bombed the factory into the Stone Age. They were probably making, you know... Uh, they weren't gun, making miniatures. Gun butts instead of miniatures. But uh, Eventually. They, they do actually, after the war, they did start back up, and uh, they were an ongoing uh, concern until the early 80s when they finally folded. Uh, after the war, though, they did go away from their trademark elastolin pla- and into a, what a regular thermoplastic like we're more accustomed to. Um, I might there's need to a co- pick up an elastolin, just for his- history's sake. I might have to go on eBay and try to find just one. I just want yeah, one. Yeah, there's, there's some stuff out there. Uh, Pricer, and I've heard of them. Uh, they make miniatures, I think. Um, 
for war gaming or for toys or for you know uh, railroad. I think they do a lot of railroad stuff too. Pricer, yeah. uh, they own all the elastilin molds and stuff. So now the um, the other interesting development from back in the day mm-hmm. was the Japanese monsters. Yeah, the Chinosaurs. The Chinosaurs for that, Hong Kong. That yeah. was what one of the other names. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's a lot of iconic monsters in Dungeons and Dragons, specifically the Rust Monster, the Bullet, and oh, the, bu- the Boulet. Boulet. Yeah, they try, they they try to make it sound it fancy by saying no. They actually pronounce it Bullet. Do they? Yeah. Oh, I always thought you were supposed I, I to pronounce it. it. I saw it. Inter- they wrote it fancy, but they pronounce it Bullet. Oh, okay. I say at least according uh, to an interview I watched online. I'm going to keep calling it Boulet. I'm going to keep calling. Yeah, it Boulet. I know that is but, sort of uh, th- that was the, the running joke. And then what was the third? the owlbear? The owlbear. Yeah. So those, they need Gygax needed monsters. Yeah, here they are. He, sit, they're sitting. This is early 1970s, and they're sitting around the table, and all they've got is their is their uh, you know elastilin figures, and they're trying to you know they've got they're working on rudimentary castles, and they need some monsters. Yeah, and he had a sand table. That was his big thing. Yeah. So he went to the toy store, and he found this bag of Chinese, random dinosaurs, just cheap, brightly colored dinosaurs prehistoric monsters things yeah. and those became the original group of D monsters yeah that, I, that's that's my favorite thing i learned while doing this that eric sent me the other day is the fact that and i had those when i was a kid i, I specifically remember especially the boulet yeah i remember having that uh, little monster and going you know this thing is pretty cool and i would play and he would attack you know small size characters and all that you were and uh, D in before you knew it. i didn't i didn't even know it but yeah and then when you look at the original monster mm-hmm. manual the drawings are of those exact yeah weird crappy little Japanese monster yeah, and there's movie a guy who derived did a great write up on his blog with pictures, so we'll put a yeah. link. Yeah, oh, that definitely have to put that up. That was a really nice article. Speaking yeah. of toys and toy stores, if you go to like the hobby stores like uh, Michaels, mm-hmm. you can find some really great dragons and other monsters in their toy section. It is fantastic. In 5th edition, people polymorph into T-Rexes a lot because it's (laughs) one of the biggest beasts you can polymorph into. Hobby Lobby has a T-Rex figure and I mounted that on a 3-inch base and that's what I use for a T-Rex. Already... Paint it was like nine dollars. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are a lot it's got a movable mouth, so when it grabs a character, he you can, can always stick it like, in there in its mouth. <laughs> what would a D and D license? Thirty dollars. Yes, exactly. Thirty bucks for the same thing. Unpainted, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't actually used guys at uh, of all the weird places at Big Lots. I got a set of three plastic dragons for ten bucks. About that, you know, nice. About, about four. Four, four or five, five inches, inches tall, nice. yeah. Well, with wings, just like, and they were done. It was like there was like a gold dragon, a black dragon, and a red mm-hmm. dragon in there. Yeah. They had done that. Uh, you know, that's the way to do it. You can. Uh, it's cool to buy store, you know, purpose done miniatures, but a little bit of creativity, especially with your monsters, and you can find affordable, really nice stuff anywhere. The one I'm still looking for is a giant ape. A lot of players like to polymorph into a giant ape. <laughs> I don't know anybody ape. who does that. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you go to more conventions, Greg. Uh, how but do you, I, I know somebody who does that a lot. Eric, you brought yeah. it up earlier that the T-Rex was already painted. How do you feel about painted minis in your game? I only want to buy painted minis from now on. Because okay. I will have no space in my coffin for radioactive waste because it's going to be filled with unpainted minis. <laughs> they will have to bury them with me because I have so many. They're just going to burn him and all of his minis all together. That would be bad for the environment. Yeah, I Oh, plastic. like putting nuclear waste in the <laughs> yeah, ground, Yeah, just not bad for the environment. <laughs> well, the nuclear waste is already there. We just need to do something with it. And Yucca Mountain got shot down. So now I'm trying to solve problems here, Dean. I'd help it. You know, it'd be helpful if you would be a, a <laughs> fellow problem the, solver. Okay, all right. Instead okay. of a naysayer. Yeah. 
Um, We're just trying to figure out a way to get rid of him. Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> I think it's convenient. Sometimes when the miniatures come painted, I'm never, ever happy with the way they are painted or the quality of the paint job, partially because, you know, when, if I should ever get, when I used to paint miniatures, I did a pretty good job. And we've got someone in our game, Keith Pogue, who is really good. a professional level. Yes, he is. I would not argue. He does a profession, but he could. Yes, he could easily sell his. And you don't want to show your stuff next to his. Is that what you're saying? Yes, a little bit. Um, So I I will sometimes buy miniatures uh, and uh, I don't have time to paint them. So I will use them. I catch a lot of table shame using unpainted minis. And I think that's wrong. No, it is not wrong. This is an interesting debate I wanted to get up here. I'll tell you what. What do we feel about the unpainted mini on board? I think an unpainted mini is fine. I think that if it's yours and only yours, you should make some effort to get it painted. Exactly. If you're a player and you have one character, paint your damn mini. Right. But if you... It takes days to paint a mini. If you are the person who brings all the minis... As I am. Yeah. No, that's different. I'm not going to sit around and paint all these things. This Joan of Arc game that I I got. You know what? There's here's, no way I'm painting 286 15 millimeter minis. I did this with some of my minis. <laughs> Primate gray, a black ink wash. I was just oh going to mention. Oh, my God. It's, it, it makes them look practically painted. Yeah. Yeah. Nice I saw easy. somebody doing that with the Joan of Arc stuff. They yeah, painted them white them. and then yeah, dipped them in too. Minwax. Min wax, I don't know. Yes, I wouldn't do that because if you use an ink, just water and ink, like India ink, I think they use. I'd have to look it up, but you can paint over it still. Min wax would. Well, see, no, you're making a surface that can't be done over. That was exactly it. But what it looked like was carved ivory. Oh, that could be cool. Yeah, it was really Mm. cool. He used min wax. It's more yellowish. It it is a min wax, uh, ebony wood stain, and he dipped it. Shook it off a couple of times, yep. set it down, Let and when it, dry. it dried, it was great. because yeah, it goes in all the crevices. Yeah. yeah, we could do a whole podcast on yeah. painting. I couldn't, but yeah. somebody could. Uh, yeah, my friend Tom, who runs my Star Wars game, yeah, he, he literally, he actually stuff. is a professional miniatures painter. He, uh, he's Tom done Reed, some for he's DMS. done stuff for my Conan game. I yeah. love it, because I gave him the actual card pieces for yeah. the game, and he matched what it looked like, and the card pieces are kind of done in a watercolor style. Yeah. You know, there's not hard-to-find lines. And he did that painting in the same style, and I yep. thought that was yep. great. Yep, he's got his painting table set in front of the TV, and he sits, and I think he paints uh, most evenings. And he's and, very uh, reasonable. Yep, and he does a really good job. So here's another PID I had that almost <laughs> relates to this. Okay. <laughs> PID. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to call <laughs> him. we got to come up with a better name. Um, <laughs> no, it works. Yeah. Bathroom inspired. I think I want to, like, maybe start another game, because I already don't have enough. But <laughs> advertise it like, uh, at, like U of I to get, like, English majors I want six, five or six English majors. And after each session, have each person commit to writing their character's perspective of the session and then put it all together hmm. in, in like, like an after action report. Work. Yeah, but kind do of. It sort of. You know how Game of Thrones has like different character perspectives? Yeah. You could almost do that with a story that, because I'm a big fan of D&D being a co construction of reality. Yeah. Where I contribute, they contribute, and together we make things real. And everybody has mm-hmm. an influence on, on what's going on. And don't use every character's in a row. Pick one character's perspective from that session and then the next session. So jump back and forth. Between other people's points I of view. I think that would be a really cool. And there's a lot of people who really want a, a Game of Thrones style D&D campaign. And I could run a, or not Game of Thrones, a, a Critical Role style D&D campaign. Yeah. And I could run a Critical Role style campaign. I, I 
have that level of DM mastery that yeah. I could involve characters and, and do all that. And it's hard to do that. Yeah. But it would be worth it if at the end we had like this little novel that yeah, was Yeah, it, it would be cool if you could get the commitment from people to do that. I know uh, for at least the first almost year of our uh, bi-weekly campaign that uh, Keith Pogue was writing yeah. up. And we could put a link was, on that. It's still up there on yeah, World. Yeah, and they were they were super entertaining, and they were definitely from his character's point of view. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed those. I was kind of sad to see them fade away a little bit when we took our hiatus. Um, I know when we were uh, – anyway, the uh, as far as miniatures are concerned, I know um, – Back in the day when we started, when I would say back in the day, we're talking about late 70s, early uh, 80s. Uh, there were basically two companies. You bought yes. your, your Grenadiers. And Ralph Park. And your Ralph Park. And boy, was there a big difference between the two. Yes. The Grenadiers were. Gren- were the officially licensed AD&D miniature. They, they were, were rough. They, they were, were <laughs> not highly detailed. And proportionally, they were a little cartoony. They were kind of, st- I like to call them yes. stout. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very good description. They were cartoony. They were. They were almost like animated uh, Ralph Baskin. Bas- they were a little Ralph Bakshi. They were Bakshi, actually, now yeah. that you've said, I, you know, I never made that connection, but they were a little Ralph Bakshi. I had the complete line of Grenadier miniatures, and I got rid of them during the Great Purge, uh, which I'm kicking myself for. I had oh, every box. You will wow, not get those back. Yeah. Most of my old ones were, uh, had a lot of Grenadiers, but mm. I always liked the Ralph Partha because they... Um, when I when I started buying miniatures though in the early '80s, the Ralph Parthas were stunning. Were catching up, you know. They weren't and the Ralph officials. Parthas, they had bubble packs before Grenadier, I believe. Oh, did so, they? Okay. Yes, they did. Yeah, if you just wanted a human wizard, yeah. if you wanted Grenadier, you had to buy the box, box of set. wizards. And if you, but Ralph Partha, you could actually see the mini through the bubble, and and usually they had two in there. And you could get the one you wanted. Yeah, and that's something that's uh, definitely super big now in my view, uh, in the miniatures world, is you make a line, and the official Dungeons & Dragons uh, miniatures, the plastic ones, are like that, where they are making specific class race blister packs for everything. So you can go to the store. They are slowly expanding. Is that WizKids who does that? Um, I forget who makes the original official. Um, It is is They listed as Wizards because they got one right here. Hasbro. So it's Hasbro Wizards. So they have the bubble packs and then they have the boxes. It's that Noel Deers. Yeah. I forget. They're at your local friendly game store, which you should frequent if you can. Yes. Unpainted, though, for the bubble packs usually. That is true. Always. And I'm still waiting for Goliaths. Yeah, uh, and the nice thing, if you've got a good game store, and our, our friendly local game store does that, and I really appreciated this, they are alphabetical by race and then alphabetical by class mm-hmm. within that race. So you can go and find your half-elf, mage, female yeah. uh, in the blister packs, and that's something they're really doing now. But, yeah, that was uh, uh, a while ago when I was pulling out my miniatures. That was I was mildly startled by that because I hadn't remembered yeah. that the Grenadiers were just so very crude. You know, we were <laughs> talking about painting the miniatures and when I paint a miniature, I try to paint every little aspect that's yeah, on Yeah, that's the a pre-paint. I did not And this that. is a pre-paint. It's a bugbear, <laughs> Berserker, and it's by the Hasbro company. But I'm thinking here and looking at it. That's, that's Grogek. It is two <laughs> colors. And you know what? Just having those two colors is enough. Is enough. Yeah. Like it I really said, is it's enough. It's not a lot to ask people to put some paint right. on a miniature. doesn't have to be great. Just get paint on it. Two, three colors could be enough and for you, you to just wash, bring it out. Two colors with a wash, you're probably good. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, like, listen to me. I sound like I'm a pro painter. Like yeah. you're going to paint. What's like, paint. What's yeah, like you're going to paint anything. You've got two boxes of the Conan game that entire, you haven't even opened up. I have an entire table set up for painting. I haven't touched it in months. His paint is all dried up. Yeah. No, there's, I have a lot of paint. If you store the, the them bristles well, on his that. brush are brittle and Hey, my, my barbarian mini, I did a good job on that one. It took me like three days, but. Yeah, they, um. That's, I a, whole, paint, that's a whole other thing, yeah. painting miniatures. Too. I paint that's, five miniatures at yeah. a time. Oh, no, I would I sit. I would do five, but that was because I would paint one thing on this one and then have to let it when dry. When I did wargaming, I used to do like 20 at a time because they were all, you know, the same. U.S. infantry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do all their jackets. You do all their helmets. You do all their backpacks. Yeah, yeah. see, and just as a player, I've only ever done, you know, a character at yeah. a time yeah. and worked on several of them. Um, when you got your miniatures, you got to drop them somewhere. Uh, environments for miniatures. Now, the classic thing is the and is is the battle mat, the vinyl claw, vinyl battle mat, uh, frequently gridded on one side and hexed, hexed on, on the, the other. other. Yeah. That's and what that's I use. Divided into two camps: wet erase and dry erase. Mm-hmm. Yep. And do and, not mix that up. And I think no. there's a correlation with player age. Yes. Old school goes wet erase. Younger players go dry erase. Dry erase. Some old school I guys am old, go dry erase. I am, I am wet erase. Yeah, I'm wet erase as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, somebody you... bought me a new battle mat because they oh. went the wrong way on oh. my battle mat. Yeah. Mm. Now, do you play hexes or grid? Grid. Yeah, I grid. I never use the hexes. Hexes are technically better, really. Yes, when they you are. Think about yeah. It. But I, yeah. Okay. Grid just makes it easier. I just wondered. Yeah, we we do our Star Wars on a hex. Yeah, but uh, I think grid is more sane. But three D mm-hmm. scenery. And now that's there's a, a, there's a, another one that just started up. They haven't posted their Kickstarter yet, but they're saying they're going to be cheaper than what's that Dwarven Forge or Dwarven Forge? Right? Everything is cheaper than yeah. that. Dwar- yeah, that is true. Uh, it looks great, but again, you have to paint it. Um, I did see somebody critiquing the new one that hasn't posted yet, talking about full-length walls. They don't like it because nobody can see. Everybody has to stand up. So if anybody's making their own 3D terrain, you want to make, like, half-length walls. Because ah, when you put that. a full-size character, in, you know, an inch character in an inch corridor, and everyone's sitting around, and you have this dungeon okay, layout, that's fair. you can't see the mini. So instead, they say do half-inch walls so that everybody can see where the minis are. Yeah, that is kind of a scale issue because miniatures are not to scale to the Well, they uh, sort of are. It's just that you have a wall that's, you know, blocking the site. I will have to say part of the reason I bought the Joan of Arc game was because it comes with scalable terrain to the actual miniatures, which I could swap out. It doesn't matter if your miniature is 25-millimeter or 15-millimeter, but I'm going to have an actual castle with walls that are a foot high— and minis that are only now they have that new that, scale that's uh, was it, is it epic or there's some new scale yeah, or like heroic or 28 yeah 28 32 yeah they're, they're because they can put more detail well the on miniatures it. themselves are nicer I don't think that's going to enhance your gameplay I think it's going to make things trickier it's just yeah. more stuff to carry around bigger stuff to carry right. around yeah, yeah. so uh, I know I know Eric is a he's a battle mat person I you don't really use a whole lot of terrain or details again or things more, like that. just more stuff to carry yeah, around I, I don't although we play at your house where all the stuff is right behind you that's true he's <laughs> but, just lazy at that point well but but you, then you have to you have the, to get it out. There's a valuable argument. You have to get it out. You have to have specific objects for what's going on, or else you're putting something out and then having to re-explain it all the time. Now, I'm, I'm critical role, again, not to call yeah. back, but I play the episodes in the background when I'm doing other stuff. Uh, Matt Mercer has them already pre-made on 
I guess they're wooden or some sort Trays of slab. Or something, yeah. So when they enter the dungeon, he just pulls the whole thing out. And that's the way to do it if you can. But I'm sure he doesn't pay full price or at all. He probably has a guy. For all the, because they're a sponsor now for, yeah. for the show. So, and he's got great paint jobs. He's got lighting and mist effects. I mean, there's some cool stuff you can do. Yeah. I've never seen that at a table before, but it's uh, it's lovely I for about streaming. I a mist generator. That'd so, be cool. Um, <laughs> I've got one from Halloween. I should yeah. give it so to you. Do you yeah. When you play, do you use your uh, scenery or structures or anything like I that? I do at times. You know yeah. what I do use, and I think many people have done this in the past, I use my HeroScape terrain. Oh. Do you yeah, know what HeroScape is? Um, yeah, that it was an old... I and mean, then by old, that was what about twenty years ago? Yes, five. Uh, it was not quite that old, but it was basically it had it had hex terrain that could be you know plains, lava, mountains, and you would build it up depending. Yeah. And each one was a hex. Um, it, it was sort of it was sort of miniature war gaming. Yes, aimed but, at a younger crowd. Yes, it was like for like ten a, year olds. Yeah, you had a basic level and an advanced level on each side of the card, and you were basically you know rolling attack dice and defense dice, and you had uh, parameters of how far you could move and or fly and shoot and and things like that. And it made for great terrain. You could set up. In a very short amount of time, and it was all pre-painted, a three-dimensional representation of the terrain, and there were trees, and there was also a castle and everything. The other thing you can use that, it's not the right scale, but railroad terrain, yeah. like mm-hmm. the trees. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be the actual size of the tree. But if you had tree, a forest on the table, you the, couldn't you're see. You're never going to have the actual size of the tree, because the tree would have to be, you know, yeah. five inches tall yeah. to do that. Right. And even that. So having a little railroad tree... You can put it in a one by one inch square and say, yeah. here's a tree. And it helps. They're not a pain yeah, to carry no, around. Totally so yeah. I used to do that. I got away from that many years ago. I but I, maybe we should go back to that. Because it I is know. nice to have trees where people can hide behind. Yeah. Yeah. That, that came up last week here. Yeah. And that would be nice to know. Um, I know my, my view on all this is is terrain is lovely. Oh, cool. Um, I was showing Greg a picture of uh, what Hero Escape is, and yeah. now he has an idea. And we'll post a picture of that, yeah. which I'm sure somebody will take a note about, so we can yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, well, this happened at uh, Winter War, one of the games I was in, uh, and I think this is the ideal way to do it, is he was just using a battle mat during most of the play. You know, it was a four-hour session. We spent three and a half hours just, you know, marker on a battle mat or maybe some random uh, tiles. Um, at the end of it, though, the boss battle, you know, the focus of the entire scenario, he had a full-on um, sets of terrain. We were in a castle. There was a complicated bridge set up. He had the characters. There was this weird, you know, idol in the center. Uh, it was all done upright like that. And I think since that was, you know, the most important encounter in the game, he had the miniatures set up for that. And that was actually pretty cool. So um, uh, another thing you can do too, uh, just real quick here, uh, a lot of people sometimes use music and sound effects. I know Eric uh, sometimes turns on the background yeah, noise. Yeah, Sirenscape. I'll I have, have that. that, but I've kind of gotten away from you it. You really need an assistant dungeon master to Bingo. manage that. Yeah. Bingo, yes. You do need someone who's kind of like your artistic sound stage Which if guy. I, if I do my special <laughs> D&D group, I think I'm going to get an, an assistant an intern. DM to help with it. Yeah, yeah. the, yeah, the, the GM intern. Because I want GMI. it to be a top-notch experience. That will be a DMI, I guess. But, <sighs> yeah, so I think that's... Um, 
That's, most yeah. of the stuff that uh, we I'm, I'm sure we have at the table left out a million accessories. Oh yeah, that people oh, use. yeah. we could sit and so talk much. about minis and dice all day. Okay, I could sit and talk about dice all day. But after and... you have <laughs> all the core books and the supplements and the expansions and whatever, what else you got to spend your money on? You got to get accessories. Right. I know, and and the, the beauty of dice. For the most part, they're not that expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're dropping fifty bucks on a book, dropping two and a half dollars per dice, or maybe ten or twelve on a set, isn't so bad. And uh, they're making a lot more dedicated sets. I know, or uh, Wizards is, and then Wizards is now they'll put out they'll put out a court they'll put out a, a, a scenario book. And a set of dice to go with the scenario book, and then a set of the miniatures for the NPCs that are in there. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, it is it is a great time to be alive and yeah. playing D anD. d Can I ask about dice real quick before sure. we go away? Um, and we have to follow up on that last question that we had at the very mm-hmm. beginning: um, radioactive burials. No, but oh. it is about being dead. Okay. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite die? My original, that D20 that's all worn and beat the So crap. it is a D20. I guess that's my, my oh, okay, question. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. It's got to be the D20. Although I'm, I feel bad for the D12. I, I, I have a sort uh, you know. Uh, I'm kind of a fan of the D12 and the D10. I don't know. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit like uh, picking out oh. your favorite child, but I'm the 12 and the 20. Oh. By the way, Greg. I have the same set of dice, except in a nice kind of cobalt blue. Yeah, that's uh, we're looking at a uh, Q Workshop Elven set. Yes, that's and exactly um, it. And they, uh, they're, it's one of the, I think their older sets, mm-hmm. and also one of their most legible sets. Yes, it uh, is. <laughs> yeah. which is we did the forget to mention one other important accessory yes, for me: very spell important. templates. Yeah, I oh, love spell uh, templates yes. as and a DM. As our recording, they even have a Kickstarter for this going on, and yeah, these are great. By the time we do it, but Arc Knight is where I get mine. They are high quality. I'll post a picture of them. I love spell templates. So yeah, it's it's essentially a clear piece of vinyl um, with uh, some color around the edge, and they put the rules for the spells. Around and the yeah, edge. around the outside of the edge, yeah, it's so there is a template for specifically for the fireball. He brought fireball and cone of cold because those are the two that come up and a lot. And that little square guy, I don't uh, know what he is. Flaming Firestorm. Firestorm. But uh, they're super handy, really nice. I know there's other companies that make them. Uh, these are the nicest ones I've seen, and we use them in uh, Eric's game all the time. They are very, very, but, very uh, nice. Yeah. I, uh, I, am, I am a fan. Uh, I, I'll have to go with the 20 as well. But uh, there's a lot to be said. Uh, I think we brought this up, too, about the, about the Lonely 12. Yeah. The 12, I think... Because you and I both like our free swag, and sometimes that's yes. dye from companies with images and stuff. Most of the time, it's on a six. But the yeah, twelve is the D eight summit. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, D eight summit. Yeah, why? Did, why? <laughs> yeah, there know. you go. Wow. The twelve is the next most perfect die for putting that special image on because it's got a very large face. It's a lot of and real it estate rolls there. Well. It's yeah, nice. It and does. Round. It really does. All and right. So we're already coming up close to the length of the Barbarian podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't think this was going to go so long, but uh, um, I knew it was. It was Greg and Dice. Greg's got a crap ton of dice. I've got a crap ton of D&D and board games. And Eric's just got a crap ton of crap. <laughs> what are you thinking your those who come after us are going to do with all of our crap? What it, I mean, I see, sadly... All the time on these Facebook pages and, and marketplaces, they're like, my father passed away and he has all these games and I don't know what to do with it. And they're literally, I mean, it meant so much to that person. 
and they're selling it off for like three, four, five bucks. Well, in an ideal world, it gets passed on to somebody who appreciates it as much as yes. I do, right? yeah. or we do. Finding that person is a challenge. And that it is. may not be in your family. Yeah, I, and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, my damn kids, hell with them. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> um, they are sort of gamers, although they got other stuff. They're young. They got a lot of other interests. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, the important thing is there's enough space in the casket for the unpainted minis and the radioactive waste. Yeah. He's going to have to have two caskets. I know. I think we've got to figure out a way to irradiate his dice and uh, and combine them. Maybe he'll so. lose some weight. Not that he is a big Ooh, guy. Carbon dice. You could use them as cooling rods and then uh, resell them. That's true. I have some carbon. Depleted uranium dice. You know, I've got a better, here's a better well, you want P some idea. Heavy dice? Here's yeah. a better P idea. <laughs> Put a dent in your table. Have your loved ones turned into dice. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. Hey, people I've, do it into diamonds and they wear it on a ring. Yeah, mm, not sure how I feel about that. You have actually, your body, I think that's a super cool I think idea. It's a cool. I would idea. love to be cremated and turned into a set of dice. I know. You know <laughs> how many dice he could be made out of? Oh, thanks, Dean. <laughs> I don't. No, I mean you're a you're a, you're a, a normal sized human being. Dice are very small. <laughs> How much of a pile of ash would you make? Okay, Dean, we're not talking about like taking like a, a like a melon scooper and like scooping out a hunk for a D12. Like I think you have to there's some sort of compression that has to be involved. Right, I'm just saying. I mean, Greg could make a sizable handful of ash that could probably make Three, I'm four, five sets of dice. I'm right. still taking that the wrong way. You, you do that research. <laughs> Get back to All us. Right. All right, we need to stop okay, before yes, Eric has okay. to go to the bathroom uh, again. <laughs> and then God knows what he's going to come out with yeah, with that. Too late. So, oh, I know. So take um, us out. If, if you please. Wanna, if you want to tell us about your dice, show us your dice uh, or any miniatures or anything else that you love. You can throw that up on our Facebook page where we are the Grognards. Um, if you want to uh, get a hold of us on Twitter, we are at tgrognards. On Instagram, uh, we are the underscore grognards. And our classic uh, snail mail is gamers at thegrognards.com. All right. Well, thank you all very much for listening all about all of our weird things that we have in our gaming accessory rooms. For the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on. <laughs>